0: And uh, we basically asked a bar across the street of Alex's apartment in Williamsburg in Brooklyn if we could just, like, host, like, a casual DJ night that was free. And it ended up, like, going viral. It was so embarrassing. And I I tried to protest, and it, like, wasn't me. But everyone was just laughing too hard. And so I think other people want to help. You know, sometimes we think like, oh, I don't want to bother them or whatever, but like, I know it feels good to me when someone asks for my help. I'm like, oh yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, our it just reminds me again and again, like every day is not a guarantee.
1: Hello everyone, welcome to the Sagan Experience, the show where we explore life stories that help you become the absolute best version of yourself. Today, I am joined by Ethan McAbee, Ethan is a Brit-American co-CEO, co-founder of Burwood Media. He is an incredible husband, son, and brother, and friend of mine for life. Uh, Ethan, welcome to the show, my friend.
0: Thank you. Wow, that was a super nice intro. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.
1: Absolutely. Um, what, you were just—I just caught you in the middle of lunch. What, what are you eating there? Looks like a, a healthy salad.
0: I'm eating a classic Trader Joe's. I don't know if I'm allowed to say brands, but uh Greek salad. It's, you know, we eat it almost every day here in the office. It's like $3.50. It's pretty much the best deal you're going to get in New York City for lunch. So it's it's pretty awesome.
1: Dude, I absolutely love Trader Joe's. I'm such a huge fan of theirs. Um, and actually, like, legit, Greek salads are, like, probably one of my favorite uh, salads, also types of food. I love olives. I love like the feta cheese and the onions. Uh, so you have good taste. Well done, mate.
0: Dude, Trader Joe's potential future sponsor of the podcast. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah, sponsor us. Uh, I'll I'll tag him on here. <laughs> Give me all the free Greek salads, please. <laughs> Absolutely, um, dude. Thanks so much for joining. Uh, I would I want to start off. Uh, spend the next like kind of five or ten minutes or so to. Dive into your life story a little bit, Um, if you don't mind, just kind of giving a, you know, quick overview. uh, You know, where you grew up, where you were born, all the way up until present day today. um, Just kind of in a nutshell.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I was born in DC, but moved to the UK uh, when I was about six months old. We were moved because of my dad's job. He was a lawyer, uh, so they moved him to kind of um, run the office in the UK and. Growing up in the UK was the best, um, you know, just I spent 18 years there basically and met some of my best friends who I'm still friends with today, including yourself, including my business partner that I founded uh, Burwood Media with, um, gave us a lot of opportunity to travel, um, experience other cultures, meet different people at our international school in England, which we went to from pre-K to 12th grade, Um, And just, like, yeah, meet a ton of people from all different backgrounds. So it was really unique. And then after the U.K., uh, went to Tufts in Boston for college, uh, studied economics and entrepreneurship. I was never a big fan of, like, the academic side of college, although I did really well. I always liked the social part a lot more. I think for me it's because I'm a big hands-on learner, versus a theoretical, like sit in a classroom, jot down notes, take tests. Like, you know, different people have different preferences, but I'm very much like, let me do the job and I'll, I'll learn on the job. So I didn't love like the academic side, but absolutely made, you know, some of my best friends in college as well and loved the experience. After college, I moved to New York. I thought I wanted to be an actor, which honestly I still do, it's still a dream of mine. and. Entourage is one of my favorite shows and probably one of my inspirations to be an actor. (laughs) Um, But I was like, I'm going to, and I did acting all throughout middle school, high school, was in musicals, radio plays. We were very lucky in England. We had a lot of casting calls come through because they were looking for Americans specifically in England. So it was always something I was interested in, but I was like, you know what, I'm going to move to New York and I'm not going to do the typical, you know, get a job as a waiter or this. I'm going to get a tech sales job so I can you know, hopefully make a lot of money but also do auditions and, like, try to do that. Uh, it didn't work out, obviously, because the whole reason people get flexible scheduled jobs like waiter or this or that is because all the auditions are during the day. And, like, you know, you can't take time off of, like, a, a tech sales job in the middle of the day to go to auditions. So I started out at – um uh, it was a startup at that time called Single Platform. We basically allowed restaurants to uh, project their menus everywhere online and update it from one place. And I was just an inside salesperson. I, uh, I basically was cold calling restaurants, like 200 restaurants a day, and trying to convince them that I'm not a salesperson, but even though I was a salesperson, and then to basically just, you know, buy something almost on the spot, which, like, as you can imagine, calling restaurants throughout the day while they're busy with lunch and this, you get a lot of hangups. But I did really well. I think the important thing is to, like, have fun with it. Um, and uh, I got – luckily, the, the company I was acquired two weeks later and after I started, not because of me, but uh, – I ended up working there for four years and kind of working my way up. So I was quickly promoted after about four months to team lead, uh, helping kind of train the sales team around me. Uh, but all, and then a year after I started, I was promoted to sales manager. So I was, a lead, I was leading a team of about 12 sales reps, uh, and we absolutely crushed it, did really well. Um, so a year after that, I was promoted to essentially director of sales, so leading the entire sales team. Uh, so I was at Single Platform for about four years, amazing experience, uh, and I left to go work at another startup uh, called ShopTeeks, uh, where I was uh, hired as Director of Customer Success, um, and uh, that was um, not as good of an experience. I actually uh, quit after about three months just because the culture didn't vibe with my uh, with my values. Um, it was somewhere where the the CEO, even though super smart person, lot of respect for her, uh, she didn't believe in time off and weekends. And I really believe that in order for people to be really successful, they have to be happy. You know, you can't just work people into the ground. People need time off, people need breaks to be their most productive and creative selves. So I quickly realized like this place was not for me and and left there, did some consulting with uh, businesses, helping them with sales and customer success, uh, started at a, another, um, another startup called Bond, which was actually a really cool company. They had robots that would write handwritten notes using a real pen. So we would sell to a lot of, like, e-com companies and, and different companies who maybe wanted to send hundreds of thousands of, quote, unquote, handwritten notes to, uh, to their customers, thanking them for the purchase, So, you know, there was a lot of cool campaigns like that, Um, and I was director of sales there. It was really cool. I was there about a year. We got acquired, uh, and I was let go pretty soon after the acquisition, as were, unfortunately, many people. You know, that happens with acquisitions, but really cool experience. Um, Then I started at a company called SiteComply, uh, where I was a customer success manager, and uh, I worked there for four years, uh, tech in the tech real estate space. Um, And during that time, I actually moved to Austin. I was getting a little burnt out from living in New York. Uh, It was such an awesome place during my 20s. Um, But, like, towards my, like, later 20s, I was like, okay, like, it's really expensive. It's stressful. It's dirty. Uh, And so my girlfriend at that time and I uh, were like, we both could use an adventure. Let's move in together to Austin. Um, And the reason we chose Austin was it was – Warm. It was less stressful. It was less expensive and just like a really awesome city that we both really liked and had like a good tech scene as well in case we needed jobs there. Um, and so I kept working remotely for SiteComply, but then switched jobs uh, to a company called On24, uh, where I was a customer success manager again. Uh, and um, And then most recently, I left Austin after a wonderful three years there. And my now wife and I, we got married um, during our time in Austin, which is great. Uh, we basically um, both quit our uh, full-time jobs working, you know, at my tech company. She was working at a clinic for people with eating disorders. And we both quit our full-time jobs. And I went full-time on Burwood Media, um, which had until then did my side business. And she went full-time on um, just doing kind of Zoom therapy with her patients, and we were able to travel uh, Europe for a month. We went to uh, South America and Central America for three weeks, all while working remotely. And uh, now we've kind of landed back in New York. Uh, My wife is starting a PhD, which kind of brings us back to Brooklyn, which I'm also really excited about uh, because my business is based here. I have some of my best friends here. And, uh, and, yeah, life is good. So I think that kind of brings me
1: up to to today. I love that. Um, but there's a couple of things you mentioned that I really want to highlight, uh, which I really liked. One was, you know, when you went to college, you said you were really uh, – the, the way you learn is really around doing and actually, like, you know, implementing and executing versus, like, theory – uh, which I think is like really important right uh, I, I think you know I love the quote like clarity comes from action not thought so you can you know think about all these like theories and you know learn that way uh, through people kind of sharing those things but I think actually like doing those things like uh, feeling you know w- what it is that's working or not working and then making those decisions to move forward is like really important so uh, I love that you mentioned that and then the second thing is, Uh, the values, like you did not want to compromise, you know, your values for uh, where you worked. um, And you would kind of pretty quickly left because of a, you know, cultural kind of misfit um, with you. So I do love that, because I think a lot of people get stuck in like situations, whether it's jobs or relationships, where they feel like they can't like quite get out of, um, because it compromises their values, but they feel like they have to kind of stick with that. So I love that you're definitely someone who like sticks to their guns and doesn't kind of compromise uh, their values. So uh, good stuff there, man.
0: And actually to like follow up on that, because when I worked at that company where I was like, this is not for me, I'm not going to do well, I'm leaving. There were a ton of people who had worked there for two years and were absolutely miserable. And they were like, I hate this job. All they did every single day was complain. And I'm like a very positive person, you know, like, and so, like, I didn't love that either, like the negativity of like, oh, this job sucks. But I think my biggest thing was like, okay, like, why don't you do something about it? Like, no one is forcing you to work at this company where you hate your life every day. And I would ask them point blank, like, what is holding you back from like me? Oh, well, um, you know, now is just not a good time for the business for me to leave. Like, you know, that the CEO counts on me to do this and it's a really busy season. I can't let them down like that. There was always a reason, you know, it was almost like, um, a relationship that you, like you, you mentioned relationship. Oh, well, I can't break up with them. It would, you know, crush them or whatever, but it's like, okay, you can either, um, if you don't like your job you can either stay there hate your life keep complaining or you can just quit and do something about it and like uh you know even if it, even if you, you know obviously it's hard to get another job but like at least make some moves like start interviewing you know at least research without what what, what's out there because i think a lot of people just like to complain and not take any action and it's like nothing's going to change if you don't at least try or take some action so it's, like, either stop complaining or do something about it. And I've, I've just seen lots of situations where I hear complaining while they're in situations where there are options, at least to, like, make a move. But, like, people don't do it. And I'm just not like that. Like, I know myself, and it's, like, if I'm in a bad situation, yes, it's sometimes good and therapeutic to complain and vent, but not for a year or two years. It's, like, no, like, I'm going to do something about it.
1: I I a hundred percent agree. Um, and actually think about this a lot because, you know, whatever you're able to control, like you're able to control. And like, I think really assess that. Right. I, 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 you know, there's, of course, always things that, you know, happen outside of your control, but if you're able to just like move jobs or like, you know, move around to a different like state or change your situation, like why not do it? Um, and, and I love, uh, again, another quote you life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. And I think a lot of people don't know how to react to like certain situations. So they just like complain and project like that negativity or that frustration like outward. Um, And then other people kind of like, you know, take that in and it frustrates them as well. So there's really like no honestly good reason or point to do that. And again, unless you do like maybe vent to someone who's like, you know, close to you, but yeah, if you're doing it for like a year or so, it just doesn't make sense. So I love that you have this like kind of positive mindset, um, as well. Cause I think it's, it's worked incredibly well for you, uh, you know, in your career so far and, uh, you know, you haven't compromised your values. Um, and there's always something out there. I think that can like be better, you know, if you really seek it. So, um, yeah, I appreciate yeah. you sharing that. Uh, when you were, so I do want to touch on Burwood Media a little bit. Uh, do you mind just like quickly explaining, you know, in like 30, 60 seconds what that business is and kind of how it got started?
0: Yeah, sure. So my best friend Alex Padanes and I started a business. Uh, now we call it Burwood Media, and it's essentially an events business. So we throw DJ based events all around the country every weekend, and the events have themes. So we have a few different properties under our Burwood Media Umbrella. We have Emo Night Brooklyn, which is an emo, pop, punk, DJ night. We've got Gimme Gimme Disco, which is a disco night heavily influenced by ABBA. Best Night Ever, which is like a pop night. Does a lot of Taylor Swift, Harry Styles. Um, And then, you know, we have some new ones that we're working on as well. We've got a reggaeton night called Gasolina. We've got different ones. It all kind of – so we do every weekend we'll have like – 20 or so different shows all around the country at, you know, big venues, uh, you know, holding, you know, 1,000, 1,500 people. And, yeah, we just kind of DJ music that people love. And, uh, and, yeah, we kind of repeat. And it all kind of really started, not to go too long on this, but Alex and I loved emo and pop-punk music growing up. We both grew up in England going to shows. And when we weren't going to emo pop-punk shows – we were rocking out in our houses, you know, throwing parties or pre-games, moshing the music that we loved. And then we both went to college, kept those kind of parties going, both moved to Brooklyn, kept those kind of parties going where we just kind of rocked out and looked a little ridiculous in our apartment, like moshing and screaming along the songs. And uh, we basically asked a bar across the street of Alex's apartment in Williamsburg in Brooklyn if we could just like host like a casual DJ night that was free and it ended up like going viral, tons of people came, it was packed. So we started kind of building it up. This was back in 2015. So it was just kind of like, wasn't even a side gig. It was just, Hey, this is like a fun thing we did. And it grew and grew and grew. We started doing the parties at bigger and bigger venues, started doing it not just in New York, but outside of New York, bringing in, um, you know, famous emo and pop-punk artists to, like, guest DJ and perform. Uh, And then after a couple years of that being really successful, started adding in kind of other genres and, you know, not just me and Alex doing the shows, but, like, other DJs. And, yeah, so we've been doing it for eight years and it's grown a ton. And now it's like a real business. Uh, We have, like, three full-time employees. We've got, like, 40 different DJs. Uh, We've got an intern, we've got three booking agents. I mean, it's, it's been a dream come true to be able to like, like, I love to party and I love hanging out with my best friend. I love listening to music and traveling. So it's like, dude, what could be better? Like it's, it's, I, I try to remind myself every day, like how incredible it is to be living my dream. I don't take it for granted I literally, like, wake up every morning, and before I get to sleep, I, I basically say in my head, like, a s- bunch of stuff that I'm grateful for, and one of those things is typically always, like, I'm so grateful for, like, running my own business, working with my best friends, and being able to, like, do what I do. It's, like, it's amazing. A lot of people don't get – a lot of people have to work jobs they don't necessarily love, and that's okay. Like, you don't necessarily have to love your job. It could just be a vessel – To give you joy outside of work, and I think that's totally fine. No one has to find their absolute passion. It's just as long as your job allows you to like, you know, complement your life and do what you want to do outside of work, not necessarily in work, but like give you the money or whatever. Like, then then that's okay and that's good. So uh, I'm really thankful of that and been able to meet a ton of really cool people. And I'm thankful for all the other jobs I've had too because I've made some amazing friends learned a ton, which I definitely wouldn't have known, you know, it, it would have been harder for me to build up Burwood media if I hadn't had those other experiences in sales and customer success and then tech companies wearing a ton of different hats. So, uh, definitely thankful for all of them.
1: Yeah. I love that. I think whether you realize it or not, all your experiences, whether, you know, good or bad or indifferent throughout your career, uh, really kind of build up and shape you to, be who you need to be, I think, um, to reach that point where you're actually, you know, eventually hopefully doing something that you, you love. Um, but dude, I am like, so proud of you guys. It's been so, honestly so cool. Like seeing you just throw like for fun, like these parties, uh, you know, at local bars and, uh, honestly just like channeling, like our, our teenage years, just like screaming with the music and like, You know having a few beers and uh and now like grown into this like huge honestly very impressive like logistical operation where you guys are doing sometimes like three four five shows a night kind of coordinating all the djs making sure the production is good making sure ticket sales are in point the merch booth you know is taken care of you're promoting the ads um and you have such a lean team and It's so, uh, so inspiring to watch. So, uh, you know, I, I think I've told you this like a lot, but I am I'm so proud of you guys. And it's so cool. Just like witnessing the growth that you guys to, um, have done. And then now being able to like quit your, you know, your jobs before to do this full time. It's, it's really like, I think a dream for so many entrepreneurs and, uh, you know, people who are looking to do, you know, their own thing and, and pursue their passion. So, uh, I I, um, I want to dive more into that business I think at another time um, and have you and Alex on uh, to kind of discuss the ins and out of, of that business. Um, but I do want to ask you when when you were younger, you know, uh, in England as a teenager, did you ever think like ever in your life that you would create like a business like this with like one of your best friends, uh, where you're just throwing parties and like you know getting getting paid for it and just having the time of your life, did, did that ever, like, kind of cross your mind? Or, uh, or was that just, like, was it, like, ever part of a plan? Or did it just kind of, like, happen, you know?
0: No. It, it was never, like, part of the, like, ultimate plan. And that's what makes it so much more amazing. Like, d- did I think I could create a business with my best friend that – where we, like, party? Like, that was literally, like, a dream come true. But no, like – I grew up like a lot of people do, thinking like, yeah, when I get older after college, I'll have to get a job, and you know, probably won't love the job, but I'll like it enough, and you know, you just kind of do that job for a number of years, you quit, you go to your next job, do it again, repeat. So like, no, it was never like part of the plan. It all start, it all really became a business so organically. It was never like on purpose. It was never to make money. You know the first bunch of sh- the first few shows we did were free. Like you know, it was just because we we truly loved this music. We loved being together. We loved partying, and so I think it makes it that much more special that it like it wasn't a lifelong plan that one day we'll do this. But I'm so glad it, it it's turned out that way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so speaking of music, uh, I, I have a question for you, Ethan. What's What's kind of a musical guilty pleasure that you have? I know you like a lot of genres. Uh, I know you were a theater kid for a little bit as well, um, and I guess in some ways still kind of am. Uh, but what would you say is like that that thing you throw on? You know, I was going to say your iPod. <laughs> uh, iPods <laughs> discontinued now. This is, I guess, how old we are. Uh, but what would you throw? Yeah, on your phone or on your Spotify playlist? Kind of, you know, maybe when no one's around. Uh,
0: yeah. Uh, the. Uh... Guilty pleasure. So I'm not – I don't feel guilty, but I love John Mayer. I feel like a ton of people love John Mayer. Maybe that's not, like, a guilty pleasure because that's, like, a pretty, like, standard – might be a standard answer. But probably guilty pleasure where I'm still not embarrassed about it. Uh, One (laughs) Direction. I love One Direction. I will play it at home by myself, in the shower, in the car. I know a lot of the words. I'm a big One Direction fan. And, uh, you know, I wish one day they could get back together. Obviously, like Harry Styles is dope. Uh, but I, I do find myself singing along to One Direction quite a lot. So it's a good thing that we created um, Best Night Ever, which is a party that celebrates a lot of One Direction. So,
1: Fair enough. Uh, are you a Harry Styles fan? Uh, I, I, I saw him at Coachella for the first time. Um and I was actually, like, super impressed with kind of his stage presence. And he put on a, a really good show. And I, I think is like, a true artist. Like, you can feel he's really expressing himself and kind of, I think, moving away a bit from kind of, like, the formulaic, you know, uh, kind of pop, uh, you know, kind of genre almost. Um, and, and although I, I, I like One Direction as well, you know, they're quite catchy um but are you a Harry Styles fan too I mean he's he's just like everywhere now
0: yeah he's so good and I think what you're saying is right like he's definitely like matured so much as an as an artist as a person and like yeah his songs are are very real and and just like really good I think you're right like the One Direction obviously is a lot more like formulaic and um and kind of the you know I don't know I don't know if they wrote the songs or whatever like I don't know who writes what songs but like yeah, uh, Harry Styles is really good.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, I, I'm going to throw some more kind of random questions to you that do somewhat, thing think, tie back to your life story or at least, like, should elicit some interesting memories or moments. Uh, Emac, can you think of, like, a embarrassing moment in your life, like, the, the most embarrassed you've ever been and, and, and what happened there and how did you react to it?
0: Oh, my God. Uh <laughs> We might have to come back to this one if I can think of an appropriate one that we can that we can share in front of others.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can be slightly inappropriate if you want. You know, this is an open forum, but uh, that, none you can think of right now that you're comfortable sharing. I have
0: one off the top of my head I can think of, but I know I've had tons of embarrassing, hilarious situations. But I, I, I can't think of one right off the top of my head. But hopefully it'll come to me later in the conversation.
1: Fair enough. Yeah. Um, one do you remember in middle school I think it was like middle school there was this like uh like almost like trend where we did like I think it was called like the tabletop where people would kind of stand around and then someone would randomly go and like crunch down behind them and then like someone would push them over and you had to like fall backwards um like over the person like behind you uh kind of in that tabletop position uh, I remember like people did that to me a couple of times and it was like really embarrassing, but also honestly kind of hilarious. Uh, <laughs> I remember someone doing that in front of my crush and I was just like so embarrassed and, you know, I was like fumbling and couldn't like get up. Uh, but yeah, I, I think middle school has or even like early high school has a lot of moments like that. Um, oh, yeah, that, that kind of reminds me.
0: I mean there was okay there was one good story where uh we were i was actually just talking with jamie our mutual friend about table (laughs) topping recently there was one story in french class i think it was uh eighth grade it was me our friend jamie our friend connor right here and jamie kept farting and (laughs) blaming it on me every time he'd be like oh ethan oh my gosh you know and, like, you know, people were, like, ignoring it. The teacher was ignoring it. And just, like, Jamie kept, like, ripping and just, like, oh, Ethan, oh, my gosh, stop. And I was just, like, oh, my gosh, like, stop it. And then he did it a final time where it was, like, a, re- a really loud fart. The entire class, like, you couldn't deny that everybody heard it. He farted and was, like, Ethan. And the teacher stops class and said, Ethan, this is a classroom, not a toilet. And it was so embarrassing, and I tried, I tried to protest, and it like wasn't me, but everyone was just laughing too hard, and so to this day, I'm pretty sure the teacher thinks it was still me that farted, but it was really our mischievous friend Jamie who kept doing it and blaming it on me. So that could be maybe not the most embarrassing story of my life, but one that actually came up <laughs> recently.
1: Classic. Um... All right. So so uh, switching gears a little bit, what would you say so far is uh, the or one of the uh, proudest moments of your life, whether it's maybe, you know, a certain accomplishment you've had or something you've done that you've always, yeah, wanted to do. Uh, but just off the top of your head, what would you say is kind of one of the most proud moments you've had um, in your life so far?
0: Yeah, I would say this past weekend, I actually mm-hmm. feel. I feel like I'll, I have a lot of great proud moments, and I try to be proud of myself because uh, I think it's good to like, you know. Some people are like, no, it's never good enough. I, I have to do better. But and for for some people, I think like, you know, they get their determination from setting a goal ahead, and like they never quite reach that goal. You know, it's like cool, I did it, but like it's still not good enough, and that helps like their ambition. For me. I see, through, I see things through the opposite lens. Like a lot of people see like, okay, in order to be happy, which is the ultimate goal for most people, I want to be happy, I have to be successful first. So I have to hit some goal first in order to do that. But the problem is, you know, if you're, if it's like I have to be successful in order to be happy, you're always kind of chasing and setting a new goal and never quite reaching that happiness. For example, hey, like in order to be happy, I need to be promoted. Cool. You get the promotion. All of a sudden you're like, well, now in order to be happy, I need to make like X more money or I need to be promoted again, or I need to do this. And you never quite get to that point where you're like, I'm so happy. Like, this is awesome. Instead, I see it from the opposite lens where it's like, in order to be successful, I need to be happy. And if I am happy, I am much more productive, creative, and way more likely to like hit a lot of the goals I set for myself And so I think that's kind of what's always in the back of my mind when I'm thinking like, what's my, what am I proud of? And things like that. So I always try to be proud of myself like that. But I think for example, this past weekend, we were, um, Emo Night Brooklyn, which is one of the the brands under Burwood Media, our business was invited for, I think the third or fourth year in a row to be the official after party of Riot Fest. And Riot Fest has always been kind of one of the most biggest premier like kind of emo rock festivals uh, that there is throughout the year. You know, like My Chemical Romance headlined it, um, you know, it's, it's a really big deal. And we were asked to be an official after party, you know, along with other amazing bands, you know, being after parties like Jimmy World and uh, Anne Berlin, Alexis on Fire. Uh, so the fact that we were just like asked again uh, was amazing. But we got to go to all three days of the festival with a backstage artist pass, um, see a ton of our favorite bands, you know, chat with a lot of them who were like such good friends with anyway. Um, Yellow Card had a reunion show and you know they closed the entire show, stage to watch from to everybody even with artist passes and backstage passes. But they let Alex and I still watch it was like me and alex standing next to you know the singer of yellow cards wife and mom and it was just such a cool moment to be able to like be on the side of the stage watching one of our favorite bands in front of tens of thousands of people being like oh my god like we've literally like this is i'm so proud of of where we've come uh just being able to be here but then the actual after show itself we did chicago house of blues Um, Ryan Key, the singer of Yellow Card, was our guest DJ, and it was a sold-out show, 1,200 people, and just kind of being on stage during that, I was just looking around, and I was like, this is unreal. There's 1,200 people here partying and fans just like us, but, like, we helped build this. Obviously, like, we're playing other people's songs. We didn't make the music. But, like, we, you know, created this kind of community and space where people can party to music that they love. And it was just, I was so proud. And it was one of the prouder moments of my life. I've had a bunch of these at a lot of these big shows, but that's, that's the most recent one
1: um, I can think of for sure. I love that. A lot of entrepreneurs I talk to who kind of reached a point in their career uh, where they're just, like, feel very, you know, fulfilled and happy, uh, describe similar situations where, especially in their, like, childhood or, like, growing up, they have these kind of things that they love, uh, whether it's, like, music or some form of, like, art or maybe, like, a place they want to go to or an experience they want to have. Maybe they, like, they love Legos or something that at some point they, like, get to do a deal with, like, Legos, you know, or whatever it is. Um, But I think that's like almost one of the ultimate forms of just like, you know, joy is having that kind of come to life as an adult and like really being able to like live that experience that you just like dreamed about, you know, for so long. So uh, and it's and it's different for everyone. So I love that, you know, going from like screaming in like, you know, our parents like garages or like house parties to like this music to now. Being like with them and partnering with them, and also you guys actually uh wrote and recorded like two songs with a couple like emo artists too. Which, like, dude, if you told me that when we were like in high school, I would be like, there's absolutely no way you're gonna do a song with like you know Ace Enders or William Ryan Key. So, um, yeah, I could totally see that, and I love that you also said that, um. Uh, you know, happiness, I think a lot of people think it's conditional, like when I get this thing and it's often like even material things too. Um, once I get this, you know, I'll, I'll feel that sense of like happiness or if I get this amount of money or if I get like this house or whatever it is. But it's really almost like a state of being more like if you, you know, we almost have everything you know, we need to be, like, fulfilled or happy or, like, you know, joyful or, like, have that peace. And I think once you realize that, that's when you really start, like, getting uh, those things that, you know, whether they are material or, like, relationships or friendships or, like, energy from other people that actually make you start, you know, be fulfilled constantly. Um, And I do want to ask you really quick, it just reminded me, you mentioned earlier that you kind of you know say words of gratitude uh before you go to bed and in the morning Uh, i do that as well and um i think some to some people it feels a little bit weird where it's like you know i am grateful for this and grateful for that and uh but it really i think does kind of shift your your perspective because our minds often like the default is almost like the negative thing because it's just a lot more memorable you know if we had like a tough conversation that day or if something, you know, didn't quite work out in our favor, that really sticks with us. Um, I I even heard recently that in relationships, uh, if one out of every five situations is negative, you remember that negative one way more than the other five positive ones. And your relationship is kind of in in danger in a way. Um, And then I also heard that actually that's even true for one out of 11 times. If you have 10 positive experiences, but one of those ends up being negative, it really sticks with you. And I think that's like something that we need to work on shifting is just really uh, embracing the, the positive experiences that we have throughout the day that we can breathe, that we're able bodied, um, that we have people that love us, even though sometimes we might not feel like it. So could you just talk about like that, that gratitude Um, exercise that you do and perhaps how that's like helped you Uh, because I also know you you know you've gone through a lot in your life Um, so just tell me about that like when did you start doing that and how has it kind of yeah really helped you in your in your journey so far
0: yeah it's been it's been critical honestly Um, I have like a a morning routine now and this uh, so my morning routine is you know you wake up Don't look at your phone at all yet. The problem is if you look at your phone first thing, you know, look at your emails, you're going to see something that maybe, you know, didn't go your way or email is worded about all of a sudden, like that just makes me anxious and stressed and it did not help at all. Like a lot of times I'm not even responding to that email. So it's like, why did I look at that email before I've done anything? I'm at a very like vulnerable state. I feel like when I wake up um, because I'm still tired, cranky, hungry. So, like, when I wake up, the first thing I have to do is exercise. I know if I save my exercise for the end of the day, I'm going to be tired. I'm not going to want to do it. If you force yourself to get out of bed and you're like, I don't care, uh, you get up, go for – I've been going for a run for 20 minutes, do some push-ups, do a plank. And then, uh, and then my day has already started off on an amazing foot. I already feel accomplished. It's like one of those things. It's always like annoying thinking about going to the gym, but like you, how often are you? Do you have regret for going to the gym? Ugh, I shouldn't have gone to the gym. Like, no, you like always, almost always feel great that you went to the gym. It's just getting over that initial hump, and then once you do, it gets your you know endorphins up, uh, helps your serotonin levels probably. And you already feel like you've accomplished something. And I don't have to worry about it late in the day. So I'm already, like, in a great mood. It gets any kind of, like, stresses out. And then I meditate. I meditate for 10 minutes. And, you know, a lot of times people are like, I don't have time to meditate. Like, I'm rushing in the morning. And, like, you know, first of all, everybody has 10 minutes. You know, you could wake up 10 minutes earlier. You could find 10 minutes in the day. But we always create excuses For ourselves of like, why wouldn't I have time? It's like, dude, you could set your alarm 10 minutes earlier if you wanted to, or go to bed 10 minutes earlier. However, what I've been doing recently is meditating while commuting. Like you don't necessarily have to be sitting in a quiet room, you know, eyes closed with like, you know, earplugs in. I've been meditating on the subway and you can have your eyes open, just focus on your breathing, be present, And I'm a lot less cranky when I'm doing that, and like looking around, smiling at people, and uh, just kind of like you know, just being present and kind of being peaceful and meditating. So that's you know another thing uh, I'll definitely do. Um, So that's like part of my routine, just like exercise, meditate, and and it's really helped me because I haven't always been this positive person. Like I, when I turned around, when I turned 25, I kind of fell into a depression. And, you know, part of that was because uh, my dad died when I was 19, had leukemia, a four year battle. It was awful. And I think I had like a delayed grieving process where it was like, obviously, it was horrific and horrible, the entire experience. But I kind of didn't like take time to like talk about it a ton. You know, I didn't see a therapist. Um, I just kind of like, you know, was really sad, but like continued living my life. And then I think once I hit 25, I think it hit me all at once because it's like, you know, I've had my first job for a few years and now I'm ready to like start looking at what should I do for my second job. There started popping, you know, where should I live? There started popping up kind of a lot of like big life questions that I needed to answer. And I didn't have my dad there to help give me advice. You know, a a lot of times people's dad are like one of their mentors or a go-to person who's like always there for them, who like will give them advice. And like, I kind of realized once I turned 25, it was like a quarter life crisis almost. Like, oh my gosh, like I don't have my dad to help me, you know, make these big decisions. And so, and it was like delayed grieving. All of a sudden I was depressed. It was, I would get like panic attacks. Um, it was horrible. And I got this like cloud around my brain where it made you feel like, and like, this is, I I think what some people who experience depression have, where it just feels like a cloud around your brain, where it prevents kind of happiness from coming in. And, um, and it was awful. And I, I pretended to be sick sometimes, so I didn't have to hang out with people and I didn't go to work because it was just impossible to get out of bed. And um, I was like, what can I do? I don't want to feel like this. It's awful. But when you're in that zone, it makes you feel like nothing's ever going to change. It's always going to be like this. So you can see why people take really extreme measures. Like you can see why depression is such a terrible disease, Um, you know, and, and it just makes you feel like nothing will ever be good again. And so during that time is really when I started getting into that kind of meditation and gratitude, because I basically was like, I don't want to feel like this forever. I know this is horrible. Um, I Googled, like, what can I do to, like, not be depressed, basically. And obviously, like, one of the first things is, like, get a therapist. Um, I actually never did that, even though I think it's an amazing thing to do that, like, everyone should totally do. Um, but I started taking B vitamins to help like boost my mood. Um, I started meditating every day. Um, and it was hard to meditate when you're having a panic panic attack and like, you know, but, but you kind of force yourself. And I forced myself to get out of bed. It was the thing I wanted to do least, but I would force myself to get out of bed and do some kind of exercise. And by getting in that kind of routine, you know, I was really lucky. A lot of people are depressed for years and, you know, they're on medications, which is great because hopefully it really helps them. I was able to get out of that depression mode that I was in just from B vitamins, exercise, and meditation, and not to minimize depression at all. It's like an absolutely horrible disease. Um, But, like, I think I was really lucky that I was able to get out of that mode partly because of this routine that I do. And I think the important thing is not just meditating when you're in a horrible mood, but like also doing it when you're in a good mood, just kind of getting in that habit. And then again, like reminding yourself of what you're thankful for. Before I go to bed, you know, I didn't mention my end of day routine, but I also remind myself like all the amazing things that happen. I have food, I have shelter, like the basic things. And I think you nailed it when you're like, it puts things in perspective. And that, that's like one of my biggest advice to people, like keep things in perspective. Every day we have stuff that happens, whether it's like, oh, something happened at work or I didn't get the job I wanted or maybe someone broke up with you and a relationships ending. Um, keep it in perspective because, and I kind of do the 10-year test. Like in 10 years, if I look back at this, is it going to matter? And the things that do matter are like, my health, my family's health, because that would be something I would look back at 10 years and be like, that, that was horrible. But if it's like, oh, I got a bad grade on a test, or like, ah, oh, listen, it's like, in 10 years, I'm not going to care about that. So I, I kind of do that 10-year test to keep things in perspective. Um, but getting out of that depression mode, I still feel it sometimes. Like, I'll sometimes have days where I go into that same depression, or maybe it lasts a week, or maybe a month. I kind of call it like a bit of a cycle. Like I'll have days, months, or weeks where it's like I'm, I'm down. And, and maybe it's because I just missed my dad or, think, you know, who knows what it could be triggered from. But the, and then I have times where I'm, I'm up. And the nice thing is because I've seen the cycle, when I'm in those downs, I can remind myself that it's not always going to be like this. Even though it feels like it's always, I'm always in this mindset, nothing's ever going to get better. Now that I've seen the cycle, I can be like, look, I'm in my downtime and that is totally fine. I'm going to lean into it. It's okay to be down. I know one day, whether it's in a day, a week, a month, a year, like it's not always going to be like this. I'm going to feel good. I always try to view it as like the blue sky behind the clouds. Sure. There's clouds, but behind those clouds, there's blue sky.
1: Dude, th- there's so much you just said, which uh, which I love, and I think will resonate with a lot of people, because a lot of yeah us are going through like tough times in all different types of ways. And one of the key theme- themes I think, which uh, kind of y- you alluded to a lot, was really uh, a lot of people av- avoid those problems, and whether they go through trauma, they try and like store it somewhere in the back of their mind or not address it emotionally. Like they don't allow themselves to really like grieve or fully experience those emotions of like sadness or, you know, that tough part uh, of just not being able to like wake up in the mornings. Um, But really, and, and it's obviously easier, you know, said than done, but I think really the key is just to like fucking plow through it and, and like, really address it like head on and be like i have to find a way to deal with this or else it's just going to like build into this like monster you know that you're not like addressing and not like touching and i I, i'm so just like you know inspired by you having gone through that and i know it was like you know really tough you know to, to lose your dad and um and he was such an incredible person i remember you know going to south carolina with you guys and spending time with your family and i just you know can't imagine going through something like that especially at like a younger age and going through like very formative and transformative like periods in your life but just seeing you come out the other side um and continue to like manage and deal with that every day is is really admirable and not only that uh what i've seen you do is kind of um flip that too and now help other people who have also lost, like, their parents through, uh, you know, experience camps is something that I've seen you do every year, which is um, a camp. And I believe, you know, you're a counselor, and you kind of go and do some incredible activities with kids who have been in a similar situation. Um, and I'm sure through that, too, that's also helped you continue to, like, you know, deal with that as well, Um by like helping others to it so there's just like this you know exchange where it's like building not only like you up um you know as a leader and helping others but obviously they're able to do that and then they can also take that experience and that knowledge and like help others so tell me a little bit about experience camps because i think that's like a really incredible initiative um and i'd love to hear kind of how you got you know initially involved and why you picked them um, and just, yeah, tell me a little bit more about uh, that, that camp and what people, uh, yeah, can look into it for. Absolutely. So Experience Camps is a one-week camp for kids
0: who have uh, experienced a death of a parent, sibling, or caregiver, someone, like, very significant in their life. And it's a week. It's free For the kids to go, completely funded by donors, and it's the best week ever. Basically, kids arrive. You know, it's a lot of these kids have – they're all in different situations. Some of them are, you know, uh, their dad died by murder or by suicide or by cancer. Some of them lost both parents. Some of them lost a sibling and a parent. And they're all in different situations at home. You know, some of them are really bad situations where they don't have enough money to get tons of food or they don't have, like, a good, you know, safe life at home. And, you know, some of them go through therapy. Some of them aren't. A lot of them them are young and they get made fun of at school for being the person without a dad. So experience camps is a place where these kids can go and be surrounded by other people who get it to not be the odd one out, to be surrounded by other people who have gone through something similar where they can talk about it with each other, but also just be kids. Like 90% of the activities at camp are normal camp activities. You know, we eat together, we do sports, activities, um, you know, there's like evening stuff, college league. It's just like the most fun stuff. And then about 10%, you know, at least once every day there's some kind of grief activity where uh, there's a grief counselor and everyone just kind of gets in a circle, your whole bunk, and everyone just goes around and, and shares their story and talks about, you know, how they feel and asks each other questions. And it's amazing to, amazing because some of these kids, it's their first time really talking about it openly, especially with other people who have gone through something similar and people that get it and it's just such a different experience and we hear time and time again from caregivers, parents after their kid comes back like oh my god like that my son or my daughter has been in therapy for you know the past 5 years and these 5 days of experience camps were more way more powerful than you know 5 years of therapy like 5 days has completely changed my kid's life and i've seen kids walk off the bus to arrive at experience camps, super nervous. It's their first time. They don't know what to expect. They don't want to talk about their, you know, the the death of the experience. And then by the end of the week, they're standing up in front of the entire camp of five hundred people, the campfire, sharing their story and helping others. And it's amazing. So I'm a bunk counselor there. I volunteer, it's a week, and so I live, you know, in the bunk with the kids. I teach, you know, hockey or uh, stand up paddle boarding. And it is literally the best. It's so meaningful. And you're right. Like it's not just it's obviously for the kids. That's why. But it also is a huge help for me and a huge outlet for me to be able to be surrounded by other people that have gone through something similar where, you know, you don't feel awkward being like, yeah, my dad died. And then the other person's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. It's so awkward. It's like, Oh, like, tell me more about that. Do you do you still dream about your dad? Do you remember what he smells like? You know, different things like that, like that you can really dig into versus like, oh, don't remind me that my dad died, you know? And I, I got involved with it because uh, my CEO founder of the first company I worked at in New York, Single Platform, the Cold Calling Restaurants Company, he was a director at and still is a director at the camp. And um, we got really close while working together, and he he was like, hey, you know, his dad had died, so he was – that's why he was, like, really, you know, all about experience camps. My dad died. He knew he had the connection, and he was like, do you want to be a counselor at experience camps with me? And so, you know, it's nine years later. I've been involved for nine years. Every summer I I volunteer for a week, and it is – the best week of the year. And then obviously we're, you know, fundraising throughout the year, because again, these are free. It's free to send these. Uh, they don't have to pay anything. It's all funded by really, uh, you know, by, by really nice donors that are willing to give money in order to change kids' lives. And it's, it's the best thing I do. It's the most, it's the thing I'm most proud of and happiest about. And I always count down the days till the next uh, experience camps. Uh
1: Ethan, for, for the viewers and watchers out there, how could they, you know, help support this initiative? Is there like a website they could go donate to? Or, um, yeah, how, how could they like support this if they feel, you know, compelled to? A bunch of different ways. Yeah. So the website is experiencecamps.com. Uh, obviously, you can donate.
0: Uh, we have events throughout the year as well. So we, there's different locations of the camp now. There's one in Maine, Pennsylvania, Georgia. California and, uh, Michigan. And then, you know, we're looking at growing and stuff. So if you're in one of those areas, um, there are fundraising events. You can go to like galas or Halloween events or auctions and things like that. So you can always go, go there as well. Um, but you can also volunteer. Um, if you want to, um, you can apply to be a volunteer. I think, uh, applications are open starting like November 1st for next summer, and, uh, and yeah, you can volunteer and be a counselor, and I promise it will be the best thing you ever do. And even if you personally haven't experienced a loss, that is totally okay. There are tons of counselors there. You know, there's a lot that have experienced a loss, which is part of the reason, like, why they want to do it. But there's also a lot of people that, like, just love making a difference and, and love doing it. Um, also, you can help just by telling other people about it. And, because... That more often than not there are more people than we expect who've lost someone significant in their lives that could really benefit from something like this. So spread the
1: word. absolutely uh, So yeah if you're watching on YouTube or listening on Spotify or, or Apple podcasts or wherever I, I'll put a link below uh, so check it out guys if this you know resonates with you and it's something you want to help support because uh, I, I think it really does you know transform lives and makes an impact. Um, you know, obviously, as as you've heard here, uh, so so Ethan, this podcast is really about you know telling life stories and helping other people see like other people's life paths. You know, uh, because everyone's journey is so different, and I think we're all trying to like figure out who we are, how to deal with life, how to deal with tough situations, how to like you know be at peace and find joy and you know happiness and purpose. Um, so you've touched on a lot of really great topics that I want to summarize here. Uh, So one is like, you know, avoid avoidance. (laughs) You know, if there is something that is kind of gnawing away at you or something that is like tough to deal with, obviously, you know, it's hard sometimes to deal with it straight away, but like you do have to like address and tackle that at some point. Um, Another one being, uh, you know, helping others throughout that process. And I know that almost seems counterintuitive because you know you want to help yourself get out of whatever situation you're in, or find that like you know happiness or or desire that you're looking for or purpose but often you do that through helping others like you There's learn like things learns. or um you know you, you kind of are through helping others you, you you figure out like oh what they're going through is actually similar to what i'm going through um and so you kind of have like that collective like realization uh, exercise, I think, is so important. Like chemically, and you know, our bodies house our minds, and I think getting the oxygen flowing and your blood flowing. And uh, you know, I think when it's tough to get out of bed, you know, I've been told that if you just jump out of bed, like even without thinking, like your your mind will like follow. You know what I mean? So in the morning, sometimes when I'm like, I just don't want to get up or like, I really don't want to go to the gym right now. I just like literally before even like thinking or making that decision, I just, I just like do it. Um, and, and if you're able bodied and able to do it, like everything else will kind of follow with that. I think that's true for business too. No one feels, and honestly, even like maybe marriage or like big life decisions or like having kids, a lot of people think that I'm, I'm not ready or I'll never, never feel ready. But, um, You know, I think if you just, like, dive into it, even maybe slightly before you feel like you're ready, um, you know, we're we're capable of so much. And I think you mentioning, like, diving into those things, uh, you know, first and then, like, having the exercise is important. Uh, Gratitude. uh, So saying kind of really perspective, like, realizing what you're grateful for, you know, every morning, every night uh, really, really helps you. Uh, living your passions, you know, especially those things from childhood that, like, you just know and, like, love. Um, is there anything else that maybe I haven't mentioned yet or we haven't touched on that you think could really, like, help people, you know, just uh, be on that pursuit to be the best version of themselves? And, of course, it's, you know, I don't think we'll ever reach, like, that that peak, you know, whatever that may look like. Like, it's always a process. It's always where I was becoming, you know, and evolving, and like learning, and sometimes, you know, we take step backs. But I think, uh, you know, the goal, if, if perhaps there is one, is to really just every day try and like move forward. Um, is there any other kind of like, you know, advice or like thoughts that you might have to like kind of uh, help people to, yeah, continue evolving and just becoming the best, most authentic versions of themselves?
0: Yeah, I would say ask for help. I mm. think a lot of people might see asking for help as a sign of weakness. Like they can't do it themselves. They should make their own decisions. I'm one of the most indecisive people ever. And it's, it's one of my biggest faults. Like something as little as ordering food. Like, you know, I, I it's hard for me to make a decision. And I think something that's really helped me is asking for help, not just about like ordering food, but I think other people want to help. You know, sometimes we think like, oh, I don't want to bother them or whatever. But like, I know it feels good to me when someone asks for my help. I'm like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, I'll meet with you to like, give you some advice about whatever. Like, and I know like the people that I care about who I look up to, um, they're willing to help me as well. So I think like, don't be afraid to, to ask for help. Cause that's, that's honestly like how I've been able to like help be successful because I've gotten great advice from other people who I look up to and, and who I, you know, think are really successful and happy. Um, so that will be one of them that, that I probably have like other snippets that, um, I can't think of right now, but yeah, definitely, definitely ask for help.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good one. And uh, a lot of people are maybe like afraid to, or perhaps in some ways, even like too prideful to ask for help. Like they think they can figure it out themselves. Um, But really, if you ask for help, then that person can help you, you know, figure it out too, right? Um, Along with that
0: actually is one of the biggest things I think about a lot is reputation. I, you know, Mm -hmm. some people are like, oh, I don't care about what people think about me. But like, I really care about what people think about me. I don't like it when I know someone doesn't like me. And my goal is like to make everybody like me. And I'm not always successful at that. But I think that's, I think the important thing is like protect your reputation and do what's right. And there are so many situations where it might be easy to just be like, well, screw you, you know, whatever. I'm never going to talk to you again. You know, be like I never want to burn a bridge because you never know um, who that person knows or is friends with. And not to say, like, you should make all these relationships to network or whatever, but generally it's worked out really well for me having lots of positive relationships with tons of people in all different walks of life because you never know how someone might – be able to help you or might be a great friend uh, or maybe know someone that knows someone that can help you. And uh, so I think really protecting your reputation and being someone where people are like, oh, yeah, they're a really good person. Like, I I would definitely have not gotten where I was if it wasn't for me, like being really careful about my reputation, doing what's right, You know and uh and so that would be another thing like you know i I would say you should care about your reputation you should care about what other people think about you not necessarily an obsessive way but just like have those try to have as many positive relationships as possible i would say because you never know how it might benefit you later on
1: for sure yeah i I think you definitely are someone who has you know an incredible reputation and uh, I find you, yeah, incredibly trustworthy because you really do what you say. Um, and I think more importantly, you, you do it with like good intent. And I think like, you can really feel that. I think, um, you know, when it comes to reputation or, uh, yeah, being able to like build connections with people and, uh, yeah, in some ways, you know, having them be able to like you. Like, I think if you approach everything with like pure good intention, um, you know where you don't have another agenda or where there's not something underlying that you know you maybe selfishly want for you later and there's also by the way there's good selfish things and there's you know bad selfish things but I think the intent is like so important and I feel like you genuinely like have that and I think you know the really people who are like truly in tune with Uh, you know, emotions, have good emotional IQ, who are incredibly intelligent, like they can sense that, you know, pretty quickly with other people. And um, I know for you in the like 20 plus years that I've known you, which is crazy, by the way, um, I think you've always been someone who has such good intent to like genuinely help people. And you're so sincere through doing it. And I think um yeah that's that's like so important and something like I admire about you so much. Uh, so I want to ask you a last couple of questions. uh, they're a little bit more kind of like general and I guess in some ways like you know existential. but what do you think uh you know ethan macabe is is the purpose of life? and uh even beyond that, what do you think your purpose in this life is? if that's something you think you've either figured out or, um, you know, maybe you felt like you, you know, at this stage in your life, um, if, if that is the case.
0: Wow. Uh, yeah. Good question. Um, <laughs> uh, for me, I'm a big James Taylor fan. And to quote James Taylor, the secret of life is enjoying the passage of time. You know, I, I, I don't know what happens after we die. Like, um, you know, I'm personally Jewish. Uh, other people have certain religious beliefs or whatever for me. Like, yes, I'm Jewish, but at the same time, like, you know, and I, I think Jews believe, like, we don't know what happens after you die, but like, you know, make sure you, you live a good life just, in, you know, so make sure you live a good life. Cause we don't know what's going to happen. And I kind of take that view. Like, I really try to um, live life to the fullest, and part of that is because I've seen life been, being taken away too short. Whether it's my dad, or you know, just other people. Like days, our days are not guaranteed. Like you know, I I was just hit with thyroid cancer earlier this year, which was like a huge, huge blow. And you know, to hear the c word, cancer after your dad already died of cancer and like, you know, having the surgery and then radioactive iodine, it's like, you know, our, it just reminds me again and again, like every day is not a guarantee. And that's why, like when I wake up, I just feel so thankful that I'm here and I really try to make the most of every day. And like, maybe it doesn't mean you have to do something crazy like skydiving every day. But for me, it's just like, making the most of our time on earth is the purpose of life, having fun, like doing what you enjoy Um, because like, who knows what could happen. And, you know, part of that for me is helping other people. It's traveling, it's doing work, it's being with my family. So for me, it's really enjoying the passage of time
1: I love that and honestly i think that's such a great way to uh end the podcast like on that thought um ethan thank you so much for taking the time to be on here uh i think you you provided such good like insights and words of wisdom and just being able to share your experience uh, of having gone through you know a lot of what you've gone through with uh you know your family your dad building this business uh you know dealing with Uh, tough times and honestly just your positive like outlook on life too I think will help Uh, hopefully a lot of the people out there listening and watching to shift perspectives if they need to or maybe like speak to them um, at a time you know when they need to hear this type of stuff so uh, thank you so much dude I think you you really you know rounded it out well but is is there any kind of other last words of wisdom or any last things you want to say you know before we we officially close out here Yes.
0: Uh, a really great quote that one of my best friends once said in seventh grade is life is about taking risks. Peace <laughs> out.
1: Um, I, I hate you and I love you. Um, it sounds like that person's a, a bit of a, a nubbin. Uh, <laughs> no. Yeah. So, by the way, guys, that was me in like seventh grade. I wrote that in your book. Um, and thank you for bringing that up, man. I <laughs>
0: yeah, you probably edit that out, maybe.
1: Uh, no, no, dude, this is uh no, I'm going to keep this all in man. Um, hey. so, uh, you know, as this tradition with, uh, this podcast, I, uh, you know, it's it tied in with kind of my art project that I'm doing where we do commission people, uh, sorry, commission pieces of people's like stories or like moments. Um, I, uh, this is the, I think the second or third time I'm using this like software to do it on zoom. Cause I've had others in person. Uh, so I actually don't know how to show you the art piece that like I've done for you. Um, and actually I have, uh, I have two for you. Cause, um, there's one that we've been working on for a while and this is a first by the way. So feel special. Um, there's one I'm working on a while, but, it, and I'm working with another artist on it, but it's not quite to the quality that I like. So we're still working on it, but I actually spent, um, a few hours, me personally making one, like for you, that's kind of like my own like version. Uh, oh my God. So nice. So it's, um, this one is not like your official piece, but I don't know. It's from me. It's like something I put together. Let me see if I can like share the screen here. I think I can. Um, so yeah, this is a first for you, man, but you're going to be getting two pieces.
0: Uh, oh
1: my god so
0: nice of you
1: wait can you see my screen not yet
0: oh it's about to load. oh there we go oh my gosh wow this is so cool this is our our wedding day oh my god
1: again this is one like i kind of loosely put together you'll get you're gonna get like your official one soon but this is like the Catskills um in New York when you got married it's kind of like a watercolored rendition of that and then you have kind of like this little path here that's like almost a story of your wedding day uh we had like the barbecue uh you and Alex saying like the little mermaid uh together um you know as this tradition I think in a lot of Jewish weddings the the guys and the girls split and um you then come together and the guys celebrated with whiskey shots and, you know, the ladies had glasses of champagne. You know, you broke the glass at the altar. We all sang around the campfire. Um, and then you send me this like really cool photo, which is like, again, a kind of a watercolor rendition of when you like, you know, saw Danny, then you have the official date here, August 15th. Um,
0: this is amazing. Oh my gosh. Thank <laughs> you so much.
1: And so i'll send it over to you um again i will uh how do i get out of this sharing i love um, that yeah i'll send it i'll send it over to you but you're gonna get a more official piece like soon because uh you very grace uh, graciously supported the kickstarter you know project that i did to really get this up and running and donated uh you know and got a piece through that so i'll be sending to you that to you or maybe give it to you when you're here in uh los angeles but um, yeah man my, my little uh yeah oh my little, little gift to you.
0: thank you so much that means so much to me and that's that's beautiful I love this I love what you're doing with Sagan it's amazing
1: thanks so much dude um dude thank you so much for being on uh I love you man and uh I will see you again like soon I think uh in like uh, less than a month uh so I love
0: you too and thanks so much for having me
1: keep rocking uh, Absolutely. Keep rocking. Thank you so much, everyone, for watching, listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.